If you're a consultant or marketer who hasn't hit consistent $10,000 a month yet, this episode demonstrates it's possible by keeping it simple. It requires effort, of course, but you don't need to make it complicated. It's all about being persistent. Why are we talking about consistent $10,000 a month on the podcast today? It's the launchpad to growing a service business with a team. $10,000 a month unlock more cash flow to do things like getting more support in your business. It opens your mind to making consistent $20,000. $30,000 and beyond months. So tune in to hear the organic methods that have led this strategist to consistent $10,000 months. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Welcome, Ray. This year, I've been speaking to marketers as they transition from solopreneur to agency owner, and I'm looking forward to diving into your story and highlights. Before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about you. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for having me today. So my name is Ray, and I'm the owner of RW Digital. Uh, we're a digital marketing agency based in Metro Vancouver, BC, Canada. We focus more on the technical aspect of digital marketing, such as SEO, Google Ads, Google Analytics, uh, Google Tag Manager. So my story, so I started uh, as a kid. My, my favorite brand was Nike, and I just really loved the creativity of their products, as well as the commercials and, and print ads. And then fast forward four into university, I study at SFU, which is a university in Metro Vancouver. Uh, I studied marketing and finance. And while I was in school, I kind of learned more about um, the advertising space, um, like advertising agencies uh, through a career fair. So right away, I was kind of attracted to the idea of an ad agency. And then after university, I joined two agencies, uh, digital agency in Metro Vancouver, uh, with the hopes of learning the ropes and just the understanding of the ad world. And then I work in and an in-house um, in an automotive space um, for a little bit as a digital marketing manager. And then back and then in 2019, I decided to to go on my own and started my agency. So when I started the agency, I had the intention of building a very community-focused um, agency in, as well as a very positive uh, work environment uh, for the team. Thanks for giving us your background. Today, I want to explore your journey from deciding to strike out on your own to getting to consistent $10,000 months and how that number has enabled you to start contracting out services to build your agency. So when, we, so when I started out, I already had like 10 years of experience. So there was pretty strong network in the business or when I started out, like I had a pretty strong connections in my network. So off the bat, we were quite fortunate to gain quite a bit of 
referral projects for pretty some pretty established businesses in organizations in Greater Vancouver. So we're quite fortunate for that. And then we also did some uh, LinkedIn outreach. So one of the bigger accounts that we gained, like couple like couple months into the business, was an automotive group in in Richmond. So they carried luxury brands such as Audi and Jaguar. So when we first pitched to them, uh, they were actually not thinking about switching. But a couple of weeks later, they said they're not really happy with their current agency. And then they just spoke with me and kind of like what I had to offer. And and then we um, they, they decided to switch over. So that was uh, quite a, a large account for us at the time. And next, like we're quite involved with a lot of community engagement and, and, and webinars. So and so I'm very involved with the Richmond Chamber of Commerce. Like we were a finalist for Richmond Chamber of Commerce New Business of the Year Award back in 2020. We're also involved with the BC chapter of the American Marketing Association. Um, and then we also done like webinars for uh, for Richmond Rotary Club, Craft Council of BC. And then we also done a lot of like kind of publications for Small Business BC as well as other business organizations. So I think collectively that really helped us gaining uh, more clients. It sounds like you hit the ground running with lots of visibility activities targeted to your warm network and and just really getting out there and letting people know what you were up to. You mentioned LinkedIn being your social media channel of choice. Tell us about your approach to LinkedIn. So for us, there are certain industries that uh, we kind of we want to target. So previously, we've done work a lot of work in, in the automotive space. So we would just try to find like um, decision makers, such as general manager, dealer principals. So that's kind of uh, what we uh, reached out previously. And then we've also done some engagement through. Uh, for um, uh, businesses in the hospitality industry, so hotels, convention centers, and things like that. So again, so those are also we try to find their uh, the decision makers, so general manager at a specific hotel, or at the hotel is part of a hospitality group. So you would we would reach out to uh, like their director of marketing for that group that ma- that manages um, that specific hotel or multiple hotels. So LinkedIn obviously is a little bit colder the conversion rate is a little bit lower but it's just the overall kind of a diverse outreaching program that we engage with like we have an account manager whose job is part of their job is to outreach to businesses and they would follow this technique of um, outreaching to um, decision makers in industries that we want to um, target. At a given point in your business, you tap out of your warm network and you've got to lean into new ways to reach people. Tell me about your account manager's role in your outreach. Did you hire someone with a track record in cold outreaches or is this something you were already doing? Like you had a formula that worked for you and you trained someone to support in that formula? So uh, I would say a combination of both. So they have experience in this kind of outreach kind of outbound sales uh, field, but we also got consultation from like kind of outbound managers from other companies, uh, like in tech companies or other kind of SaaS companies that does that, like that do a lot of outreaching. So we've gone a consultation from them and uh, we got help from them in regards of the the kind of like the template that we would use to outreach to to businesses um, and what are some kind of like pitfalls that we should look out for when we outreach and, and how how customized our messages should be when we reach out 
to businesses. Of the strategies you've used in your first years, you mentioned LinkedIn outreach, referrals, webinars, and joining community boards and networks. What has paid off the most for you? So I would say referral has been the most effective. I would say that during the last two years, I guess through pandemic, everything was locked down. So I would say almost 100% of our work was was based on referral. So it has been the most effective because a like there's already a, a demand. If somebody is a referral, then that person's already or that business is looking for a specific service. Um, they probably they most likely have a budget in mind and they know exactly what they're looking for. So a lot of the in terms of the sales process, like half is already done. They're just looking for compatibility. They're looking for competitive rates. So that's something that can be discussed. But but half of the sales kind of the process is already done because you know th- there's already a demand um, and they're kind of being introduced to you. Um, so uh, typically the leads are a lot warmer. Um, so that's kind of my experience so far. Like it has been the most effective community engagement. It's also in a way it's also part of that referral kind of approach because like you build a network and then maybe six months a year down the road, like somebody that you, you know, like talk to a while back knows a business who's looking for digital marketing services, and then they will make that introduction. And then yeah, so LinkedIn is kind of additional work that we do, like just to kind of um, build some connections and interactions with some um, businesses, like a lot of the businesses that we actually outreach to, they're actually on the East Coast because we physically cannot meet those businesses here. So a lot of the businesses here, like on the West Coast, a lot of them is through referral or just like kind of inbound um, leads. It's the businesses that we don't, we cannot physically see, like the businesses in Toronto and just on on the, on the East Coast, essentially. Those are the ones that were paying LinkedIn to get their contact information so we can contact them. Or we even do uh, Google ads uh, to run campaigns specifically, let's just say in the downtown core Toronto or certain like more business kind of centric areas. Because again, like we cannot physically see these individuals. So we will need to rely on digital marketing to to gain uh, traffic and leads to those areas. Did you know that I have a coaching program called the Mighty Pod Model? In the High Touch program, we help our clients go from solopreneur to an agency owner so they can gain more freedom by having a service business where client work isn't dependent on them to scale. Maybe you started as a solopreneur with zero people in your business. Eventually, you bring in an assistant and contractors, but you continue to hold on to the strategy and direct communication with your clients. Before you know it, you're at capacity. So what happens if you want to grow bigger? Meet the Mighty Pod model. The Mighty Pod model isn't just a business model. It's a high-touch coaching program that helps you go from solopreneur to agency owner with a profitable, streamlined, and strategic roadmap. If you're feeling like the bottleneck in your business, download our free Mighty Pod Model Cheat Sheet. Go to audreyjoyquan.com forward slash free resources. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com forward slash free resources or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app to get the free mighty pod model cheat sheet back to the show ray tell us about a hard time you faced when you started the entrepreneurial journey did you ever consider giving up what got you through i would say the very beginning of the pandemic was it April of 2020 i think that time like things were kind of locked down completely so at that time 
we were only like in a month into the business. So at that time, there was a lot of uncertainty in the in the world and obviously in just in the digital space. Um, so that time, I wasn't very confident in terms of pursuing. Um, but for myself, I pursued just because like for my like I I guess it's a little bit more of a personality thing. Like if I made a decision to start a company, like I'll probably go all the way and which I, I, I did. And then in terms of like persistence, I think it's just a lot I gain a lot of support within the community. So that also kind of added uh, fuel in me to uh, push me to continue my agency. So how are things going today? How did your grit and resilience lead you to the present day? I think right now, like it's we're still kind of in like a startup phase. So I'm still very involved in the implementation and kind of like account management um, aspect of of the business. So yeah, so we're still kind of kind of in a growing uh, uh, growing stage. But yeah, so but overall, we like we have a small team now, so we can I can offload um, some of the work to rest of the team members. Um, so. I think, and then in terms of work-life balance, overall, it's still, um, I would say for a person starting a company, it's pretty good. Like we get weekends off. So we, like we, like we don't have to check email all the time um, and stuff like that. So I think for myself, like it's still quite healthy, like not really burning any late night oil or, or uh, pulling any all-nighters. So I think it's quite well-rounded. Like right, right now, like quite satisfied with the quality of life because um, it's quite rounded. Um, and like we're not, you know, spending 120 hours on, on the business. So yeah, pretty healthy. Yeah. What does your team look like and what are you focusing on right now? Yeah, so right now uh, we have an agile team of four. So there's a cam manager and graphic designer, um, a copywriter and myself. Um, so myself, I'm more hands-on on the Google kind of product. So Google it's like setting up Google Analytics for, for clients, creating dashboards and data analytics for clients. And then other businesses that are sorry, other roles, they fulfill what like like what copywriters and graphic designers have to do. So like kind of in terms of forming the team, like like I intentionally made it more very specific. So there's a lot more efficiency in terms of what they have to do. Like so a graphic designer they will only do graphic design or copywriter only does copywriting. And then in terms of and then the project we take on is very similar. So everybody takes on very similar work for their specific role. And then they've just gained a lot of efficiency in terms of what they have to deliver. So overall I think we run a pretty efficient team right now at this point and then not really looking to grow at this point just want to make sure that everything is kind of right efficiently all the quality like the work is delivered with good quality um, so we can continue to retain our clients and gain more referrals and testimonials uh, which can help you know continue to build the business uh, further down the road yeah when you start a service-based business there are different phases of growing it into an agency you start doing all the work it's only you then you reach capacity and, and bring in implementation support. You hit capacity again and you begin to build out what I call a pod. That's your first team of people who take service delivery, account management, and eventually strategy off your plate. Right now, you're overseeing all the strategy and still doing the service delivery. At what point do you see yourself stepping away from that? Is that in the vision? And if not, I, I get it. You're the entrepreneur. You build the service that fits your life. 
I think I need to do some number crunching at that time. So right now, I think we have maintained a pretty good mar- like profit margin at, at this kind of pace and this like model. So if we were to add another person like full time or increase hours, then obviously it's either we need to bring more clients or build the same clients higher if we want to maintain the same profit margin. So, and obviously that's another person to kind of to manage, not a stakeholder. So for myself, I, I would yeah, need to do some number crunching and, and some, I guess, some business modeling to see how that would pan out. But yeah, so for me right now, like it's the modeling right now has a lot to do with kind of like the profit margin and, and like what, what we're able to, to keep at this point, especially, you know, at this time of quote unquote, like recession or uncertainty, like preserving some sort of cash flow is quite important for, for all businesses. Ray, may I ask, what is your margin right now? Yeah, like I would say after you pay off everybody, you can retain like 20%. So the business keeps 20%. So that that would be a healthy margin. How are you keeping your margins healthy during the startup phase in your business? Yeah, so we keep it by a having a remote team, so that definitely helps. And I think also have we have received grants for for some of our team members. So we like this is a government subsidy, so that also helps with our overall like minimizing our costs and or or in or maximize or increasing our revenue to help pay for for staffing and then other i think aside for that like i think referrals have like we don't have to spend a ton of money on business development or or other forms of like paid advertising because we're getting a lot of work through referrals um and then i think just getting more efficiency within with the type of work that we deliver um so we can maximize the number of projects that we do within a specific time frame. So like we don't do, like I said before, we do a lot of like SEO and like kind of Google ads and analytics type of services. That's the type of services we offer, like, but we don't do any branding or social media. So it's not like, so all the projects that we take on is, is very similar by nature. So we can, you know, deliver good work. So, but if we like to say, if we were to do SEO and do branding, like I think there'd be a lot more learning curve. Then I think the, the work would be a lot less efficient and then we would deliver fewer projects within a specific time frame. So, but right now, kind of everything is very similar. Like we have remote teams, so we're just keeping everything very kind of bare bones, trying to trying to maximize our profit margin. Yeah, you have a service niche and you stick to that service niche rather than branching out into scopes of work that require new expertise that cost time and money to learn. When you stick to your service niche, you can optimize and streamline your processes and workflow and that isn't just efficient, but leads to a better product. That's a productized service agency model. And I'm a champion of that model. So what's next for you, Ray? I think in my head right now, like I think we'll still continue offering this very similar type of services. And then in terms of the caliber of clients or the set of clients, we hope to increase. And with some hoping to working with some national brands. So a lot of the brands that we work with are are regional, but they're overall quite established kind of on the West Coast. But we're hoping to expand to more national brands in terms of team size of the team. I'll hire whatever it needs to fulfill like the tasks, but I don't really foresee myself kind of like expanding too much, like too quickly. Um, so we'll still keep everything quite minimalistic. So that's kind of what I see the, like, kind of ne- the next two years. Thanks for sharing that, Ray. Before we wrap up here, what keeps you inspired and motivated? 
So yeah, I follow like quite a bit of like advertising uh, websites and social media. So like Adweek, uh, like Strategy Online, which is a Canadian uh, publication. So kind of seeing what other agencies have done and accomplished is quite uh, inspiring for me. While even though I'm not necessarily a creative person, but when I see what other agencies have done for their like creative projects, what what they have delivered deliver for their clients, uh, it keeps me motivated to kind of deliver, although a different type of service, to deliver like deliver quality work to our clients. I mean, overall, right now, like our clients are, I think overall quite like nice people, like the managers and the, like the CEOs, and overall like they're quite nice people. And then I like want them to do well in their in their business and in their industries. So that kind of keep me motivated um, in terms of uh, delivering good work. And Ray, where can people find you? Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram if it's a personal. They can they can find me on the Ray Wang, and then our company IG is digital rw, and then on so on LinkedIn. Then if you just search for RW Digital, you'll see our logo, and then you can connect with us there. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you, Audrey. Hey there, thanks for hanging out with me at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app and share it with a friend. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.